Welcome again, everyone. Pray that God, through the word this morning, touches our hearts and lives. A couple of years ago, Hayden Planetarium in New York City ran an advertisement in the New York City newspapers asking for applicants of people who would like to be the first ones to make a journey to another planet. And they were invited to submit an application. Within a matter of days, listen to this, within a matter of days, 18,000 people applied. These applications were then given to a panel of psychologists who, upon reviewing them, concluded that the vast majority of people who applied wanted to start a new life on another planet because they were so discouraged with the life they had on this one. Discouragement is overwhelming. The consequences of discouragement are profound. This past week, I I just want to kind of give you full disclosure as I'm kind of going into this sermon. I don't want to um, give it to you in a way that says I've got all my ducks in a row or everything is perfectly lined up with me. I had written another sermon on facing the future, but I, I have to be honest with you, over the past days, I personally have been battling with discouragement, and so God has led me to do a study on it, and then the more I study it, the more I hear of other people who are also battling discouragement or maybe even uh, a a deeper level uh, that we would call depression. And so I, I started looking at this story from Nehemiah as an example of both how do we get discouraged, what are some of the effects of discouragement on our life, and ultimately, how can we overcome discouragement? Uh, I, I wish that going into the sermon, I could tell you that by the end, I'm going to give you five steps and you're going to be not discouraged anymore. Uh, I wish that before you could leave, I could give you a magic pill and as you walk out the door, you'll feel better, feel happy. But I can't promise you that. But what I can promise you is this, that there are principles within God's word that will help us battle against what all of us at some point in our lives battle, and that's just overwhelming discouragement. Listen, the greatest spiritual leaders ever have battled discouragement. If you read behind the pages of some of the great spiritual giants of all time, you would see that they battled great, dark, dark days of discouragement. Even within the pages of the Bible itself, which is why I love the Bible, it is, it is so real about where people are. You see great leaders from David to Moses to Elijah to Paul to other people battling periods of discouragement. The Psalms are filled with Psalms uh, of David where he is battling to find light. Here's one from um, Psalm 38. I could have picked any number of them. We don't know when this Psalm of David was written. It's not exact, but there's an obvious just cry here where he's pleading with the Lord to help him find his way out. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down upon me. 
Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Now when we read that psalm the first time, we think, oh, David screwed up somehow. And he's in great sin, and as a result of his sin, the consequences of his sin have led him to this anguish. But really, if you read some of the commentaries that write about this psalm, they see that David is first in anguish and then feeling like he's in anguish because he must have sinned in some way. Now, we don't know which came first. Obviously, we all sin, and therefore we are all under the punishment or judgment of God in many ways. But the point here being that Discouragement is something that can overwhelm any of us. I could have looked at many different Bible stories, but I want to look at the story of Nehemiah as an example to us today about discouragement. And I want to begin by talking about what are some of the reasons that we may be discouraged. And as I go down this list, it might help you to identify anything that you feel like is overwhelming in your life. The first reason... and. Let me give the background. I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Just in case you don't know the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a butler in the king's court in Babylon. The nation of Israel had been carried away and taken into captivity, and years later, a guy is born in captivity by the name of Nehemiah, and about this time, a new king has come into power, and he releases the nation of Israel to go back, many of them, to go back and to reestablish the nation of Israel and Jerusalem. When they get back, the place is a wreck, it's ruined. It was destroyed years and years before during the great battles. Now they go back and the temple's destroyed, the walls of Jerusalem are down. Jerusalem itself is just a wreck. Nehemiah hears about the walls of Jerusalem being in disrepair, asks the king's permission, returns to repair the walls. He believes he's got a mission from God. To go back, we're on a mission from God. He's going to back to repair the walls around Jerusalem. So he goes back and he begins the work of repairing the walls. And in this story, we see what happens after a period of hard work and things are going, the wall, you know, they they attack the issue with great excitement. Oh yeah, we're going to rebuild the walls. This is going to be awesome. Now they're in the middle of the process and discouragement begins to overwhelm the people and the leaders and the, the, the project may not be finished because discouragement is about to overwhelm them. Do you feel like that in your life sometimes? Where you know God has called you to do something, you know you're on the journey, but discouragement is starting to just grab hold of you so much that you don't know if you're going to make it. What are some of the reasons? Well, one is fatigue. They had just gotten tired. It had been a lot of work. A lot of work. It says in Nehemiah 4, 6 through 10, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. 
But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashad heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. When you're physically, emotionally exhausted, you're a prime candidate to be infected with discouragement. Getting tired. Your defenses are lowered. Things seem bleaker than they really are. And it can often happen when you're about halfway through. You've been working with all of your heart, all of your might, and the wall is about halfway done. And you're thinking, I am never going to make it. And then we'll see later that um, these attacks from the enemy don't really help. We all need rest at times because we get fatigued. I was uh, talking to my brother this morning, uh, many times on Sunday morning, I call my brother who's also a pastor and we pray for one another, talk about what we're preaching on. You generally, a conversation like, goes like this, I'm so unprepared, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through the day, pray for me. Um, we always seem way behind. He was asking me what was going on in my family. He said, hey, where, where, are, where are all your boys right now? I said, well, Jared's on a cruise uh, Adam is in Spain and uh, Caleb is at Seaside at the beach for a week. And he was like, I wish I had your boys' lives. And I was thinking, I wish I had their life this morning. Rest can do incredible things because fatigue can overwhelm us. Do not become weary in what? Well doing. You, you can be doing the right thing and it's still weariness can overwhelm you. So fatigue is a major factor that leads to discouragement. Another one is failure. Failure. Sometimes your best laid plans just fall apart. The project collapses. The deal falls through. No one shows up to an event that you planned. How do you react? Do you live in self-pity? Do you blame others? Nehemiah 4.10 says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. Even though they were making great progress, there's the rubble and stuff, the rubbish of their lives and the walls was so overwhelming that they still felt like failures. They had lost confidence in the sufficiency of their own efforts to finish. By the way, recognizing our inability is not a bad thing. Uh, sometimes recognizing that we are at the end of our natural rope so that God can now step in and do what God wants to do and needs to do in our lives can be a good thing. But many times when we first hit that failing feeling, I got that failing feeling, uh, once we get it, we feel discouraged. We feel like failures. And instead of saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, God step in the God of angel ar armies is always by my side. We just, we get discouraged or depressed. Inability should lead us to trust further, not to quit. Third cause of um, discouragement is fear. 
This is where the enemy comes in and sows just fear in our lives. We're not going to make it. You can't do this. Fear can be debilitating. I probably could just ask for testimonies of people who have said, there was something I was supposed to do and I didn't do it because I got so afraid. Many times the enemies will, the enemy will come in and sow fear in our life. It, it, by the way, is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. Nehemiah 4.11 says, Also our enemy said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and will put an end to their work. Now, by the way, the enemy, in this case, threatened but never fulfilled. In other words, many times what happens is Satan will come into our hearts, come into our lives, and accuse and so fear in our lives about possible scenarios that will never come to pass. The adversary, the enemy that you have, is, by the way, never at rest. He is always working to try and sow fear. Fear of men, fear of failure, fear of death, fear of life, fear of relationships, fear of whatever. He knows how to accuse in such a way that fear overwhelms us and becomes discouraging. The people were ready to quit. I mean, they had all of these things working. Fatigue, failure, fear, and ultimately, as a result, frustration. They had become frustrated. In verse 12, it said, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, Ten times over. Wow. Ten times over. Not just once did they kind of say to him, but over and over and over again, they're saying, Whatever, wherever you turn, they will attack us. I mean, at a point, this has got to be incredibly frustrating. Not only are your enemies now accusing, but the people who are around you, your friends, are also accusing as well. I mean, they're the ones, the people who are supposed to be helping you are no longer helping you. I mean, Job had this problem, right? Job uh, goes through all this thing where he loses his family, loses his wealth, loses his health, and his three friends come, and they start accusing Job. What did you do, Job? Why did this happen? You you must have done something wrong. God wouldn't have done this to you without you doing something really, really, really wrong. Frustration can come, especially if our enemies, I mean, our friends are the ones who are speaking not life over us. Jesus saw this when he teaches, and the people become frustrated, and they abandon him. From this time forward, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. To which they replied, well, where else are we going to go? Who else has the words of life? Barnabas left Paul on his second missionary journey because he became frustrated. Demas loved the present world. He took off. Psalm 27 says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Frustration leads to discouragement. I would encourage you, if you're here today and you are know that you're battling discouragement, to to kind of identify maybe what it is that's the prevailing reason in your life. Are you fatigued? 
Have you experienced failure? Is it fear or possibly frustration? What are some responses to discouragement? By the way, I should have put bad responses to discouragement here. There are different ways of dealing with life's discouragement. First is just give in. Hey, I quit. I'm giving in to this. Give up. Many people choose this option. Um, I have a a clip from um, a a highly theological movie, as usual. Um, This is from the School of Rock. Um, Jack Black is a rock and roll musician who's just been fired from his band. He's been fired from his rock and roll band, and now he's He's teaching as a substitute teacher. He's pretending he's somebody else. That's more than you need to know. But he's a substitute teacher in a school. And hear his his response. Hopefully. I'm not quite sure how to help here. Are you going to teach us anything? Or are we just going to sit here? Just do whatever you want. I want to learn from my teacher. Besides that, Freddie, what do you like to do? I don't know. Burn stuff? Just go out and have recess. My parents don't spend $15,000 a year for recess. What, you want to learn something? Yes, I do. What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right. Here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, well, he's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins. She's the man. And the man ruined the ozone. And he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! So don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome, because the man's just going to call you a fat, washed-up loser and crutch your soul. So do yourselves a favor and just give up! For many, that is our response. Look, it's just, it's just not worth it. I just give up. And we just exist. Trying to put one step in front of another. Now, this is humorous, but it's also incredibly sad. The number of young people who take their lives is increasing in our country. 5,000. Teenagers took their own lives last year. In 2006, in New Jersey, they had what's called a cluster of suicides in which one student took his life, and within the next six months, 11 other students in the same region took their life because they realized it was okay to give up. Giving in to discouragement and hardship is... Like being in a dark tunnel with no no vision out. And the easiest response is to give up. Elijah 
one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. He had this very experience. He had just gone through this incredibly uh, powerful experience where he calls down fire on the prophets on the altar, and the prophets of Baal are slain, and then he flees because the queen threatens him, and he runs for his life. And it says in 1 Kings 19, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Two voices are whispering in Elijah's ear. One is very loud and one is more of a still small voice. The one that's very loud is saying, look, no matter what you do, you can't win. Give up. Just give in. Just quit. Just die. Be better. The other voice is saying, I am the Lord your God. I rule and I reign and you are not, you're not the only one. Second option, second response, if we don't give up, there's a whole different road many people go down that I've experienced in my life and that's just deny the problem. Just to say there isn't a problem. My husband doesn't really have a drinking problem. This sickness is not anything serious. I know my daughter says she's lonely, but I don't think it's really anything to be concerned about. I know we're in debt, but oh, it's going to work itself out somehow sooner or later. I know I've lost my job. As a matter of fact, I've lost every job that I've ever had. I have lost it, but you know, it's really not my fault. I just haven't found an employer who really understands me. I mean, time and time again, we get to a place where we're faced with discouragements, faced with hard problems, difficult situations, and our choices lead us to a place of denial. It's the only way we can cope, for some of us, to deny that there is a problem at all. Peter really was having trouble that he didn't even know he had. Jesus needed to clean his heart out before he could send him on mission after he died, And so in Matthew 26, Peter answers him when he's told that you're going to fall away from me. All of you guys are going to abandon me before this time is over. Peter says, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Peter is living in denial. I mean, he doesn't even know. He's so in denial, he doesn't know he's going to deny. I mean, that's where the state of Peter's heart at this time. Neither response, ditching or denying, is going to really help us overcome discouragement. As a matter of fact, we're just going to become more locked into it. So what are some of the remedies? What are some of the ways that we can overcome discouragement? And here is... um, Here is some of the ways that Nehemiah helped the people overcome discouragement. First point is pray. Pray. Nehemiah 4.9. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. During times of discouragement, 
cry out to God. David in the Psalms, that's why they're so great and so honest, is that you see David's crying out to God in this incredibly difficult time of discouragement. The Bible is brutally honest about people who have reached the end and are discouraged, and it records their prayers. Some of them are so brutal, you want to even say, hey, you can't say that to God. You can't really, you can't really say it like that. But that's how much, how desperate these people are and how discouraged. And I, I believe that God loves the prayer of the person who is crying out to him in desperation. Who's crying out to him, who's even discouraged and saying, God, help me. How long is this going to go on? Another way is to call for help. I know that prayer is calling to God for help. But there is a horizontal aspect of this too, calling other people for help. In Nehemiah 4.13, oh, it's already up there, sorry. Nehemiah 4.13, it says, Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Nehemiah gets help so that the people didn't have to work alone. He puts other people around to help protect help allay their fears, help encourage them. Moses is guiding the people and leading them along. And in the book of Numbers, he uh, says this, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now. Another guy reaching a point of discouragement, who's ready to die. He basically, again, is saying to God, is this the way you treat your friends? If this is the way you're going to treat me, I'd rather just die than continue to live like this. If I have found favor in your eyes. He's asking for death. but He's asking for death as a result of favor. And do not let me face my own ruin. Do Do you see what Moses' problem is here? He is so weighted down with ruling the people that he would rather die. Because he knows, if I go on this track much longer, I'm going to ruin myself. I'm going to do something incredibly dumb or stupid. Which is another response to discouragement at a time which is just sinful behavior. Just trying to justify I'm so discouraged, I can now do whatever. It's at that point we should call for help. Here's what the Lord says to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take care of the spirit I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. I I believe these first two remedies are key because they're usually the first two things we give up when we become incredibly discouraged. Are they not? We actually quit praying and we isolate ourselves. Instead, what we should be doing is saying, Lord, help me. 
and to our fellow followers of Jesus Christ, help me. I cannot do this alone. Another step in the journey is to recall and worship. Nehemiah 4, 14 says, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. And here's how. By the way, I find this really funny. Whenever somebody says, hey, you're afraid? Here's what you should do. Don't be afraid. <laughs> that doesn't seem very helpful, does it? You got a problem with this? Well, quit it. Just stop. It's one of my favorite counseling techniques. Oh, you got a problem with that? Just stop it. Don't be afraid of them. But he gives steps, positive steps, on how you don't let fear overwhelm you. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your home. When discouraged, one of the things we can do is remember the greatness of God. Now, this is not an emotional response because everything within us will battle to say, if God is so great, why do I feel so crappy, right? Why do I feel like this if God is so good? Why do I feel discouraged? But God is still great no matter what the circumstance Remember the times that God has delivered. Remember the sovereignty and providence, the the times that God has come through. Recall his greatness and worship him. Read his word. Part of worship, by the way, I think at times entails rest. Sometimes, see if you can follow this logic with me. Sometimes us saying, I am not God, is an act of worship. Does that make sense? In other words, the harder we work, the more we say, I'm the one who's got to get me out of this. And instead, rest, Elijah was a great example. Elijah, after he says, I just want to die, what did he do? He fell asleep for a couple of days. God basically said, you need rest, buddy. And he gave him rest. Because rest is an act of worship where we declare God is sovereign and not me. Recall the greatness and goodness of God. Then it could be very helpful to simply change your view. Change your view. Nehemiah 4.16 says, From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people. Sometimes simply repositioning ourselves to get a different view of the situation can be very, very helpful. It's a change of focus. It can happen spiritually and physically as well. Maybe simply getting out of the environment you're in and going to a new place. I'm not saying like re-upping your life and just you know, trash and everything. I'm talking about rather than sitting at your office, maybe go to Starbucks, or if that's not your thing, go to the park or um, get outside. Um, Do something that repositions your view. Listen, one of the ways you could reposition your view is not sitting at home watching television, but going somewhere and helping somebody. I mean, that's really what they were doing was repositioning. Okay, I'm not going to work on the wall. Now I'm going to be an armor bearer. 
wow, things look different from here. This isn't quite as bad as I thought. Finally, don't give up. Join God in the fight. Join God in the fight. Nehemiah 4.14 says, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Don't quit. Fight. Don't give up. Keep battling forward. Verse 20, it says, Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us. Our God will fight for us. You know, what's again, what's happening is you've got these people who are saying, we're going to come and attack you. If you keep building these walls, we're going we're to come kill you. So he repositions things, puts the workers on the walls, put the guards, got people the sound. He encourages them, hey, when the time is fight for each other, join God in the fight. You know what happened? They never really had to fight. I mean, because they became so encouraged and God was on their side, the enemy's voice was silence. I know that, I know that here today in in, in just this size room, that people, I'm not the only one, battling discouragement, battling disappointment, maybe even battling depression. And I I want you to take just a moment today and recognize that fatigue and failure and fear and frustration, they are all things that we have to battle with. But don't give up. Don't deny that you've got a problem. Face the reality of it. Don't justify your sin because of your situation. Instead, go to God. Seek after him. He he will be found. Call for help. Get people around you that you know love you and will battle with you on your behalf. Remember the greatness of God. He is a great and awesome God. And the times that he's brought you out before, maybe change your view and continue to fight. This is a simple, simple invitation. If you're here today, And you would be honest enough to say, you know what? I am battling discouragement, disappointment, depression. And you would like to receive prayer. I'm just going to ask you to get up and come to the front. And let me pray for you and have our ministry teams just come and surround you, put their hands on you, and pray for you. If that's you, everybody stand up. And those who need prayer, just come to the front.